Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in chapter number 6. We'll continue with our series of Elijah and Elisha on Sunday morning, but for now, we're taking a a side quest into the book of Ephesians. This year, we are placing special emphasis on prayer. And so whenever I have a break in series, we're going to put a message on prayer, including tonight. Now, we've already been talking about this year that we have a God who is able to answer prayers. And we've already put a big emphasis that God tells us to open our mouth wide and He will fill it. That He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask. He could do so much. However, if we understand that we are still in a spiritual battle, we are in a spiritual warfare, whether you like it or not. And the question is, is how do we see the victories? Where do we see the victories? How do they come to pass? We understand that God has great power and he has the power to change lives. He has the power to take people from the dredge of society and turn them to good citizens. He's able to change lives completely and utterly. And how does that happen? Well, that's a very good question that we're going to answer through the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. The book of Ephesians chapter number 6. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read just a couple of verses starting in verse number 18. The book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18. The Bible says this. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Ephesians chapter 6? The book of Ephesians chapter 6, and notice with me at the beginning of verse 18, where it says, praying always, praying always. And in the midst of this, this is in a passage dealing with spiritual warfare. So if you'd allow me to adjust the title a little bit, and I'd like to preach a message about advancing the fight with prayer. Advancing the fight in prayer. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that you would open up the Word of God. That you would open up our understanding of the Word of God. That you would help us not only just to hear the words but have a desire to apply these words in our life, that we can see victories, that we can see you move, and that you, we could see you work within our lives. I'm asking that you would again just help this message to advance the fight in prayer. 
I recognize I need your help. I need a clarity of thought. I need your grace. I need the abundance of your power. So the best I know how I surrender myself now. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. For the purpose that you get your own work accomplished through your precious word now. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. The idea here is advancing the fight in prayer. Most of us are familiar with Ephesians chapter 6 as it deals with the idea of spiritual warfare and it deals with the idea of the armor of God. If you notice with me in verse number 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh or blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where to take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then it goes on and explains each of these pieces of the armor of God. And then as it goes on, it continues, and it talks about the idea of prayer. And when it talks about prayer, it's not doing a break of thought, but in fact, it's continuing with this same idea of spiritual warfare. And that this is the way that we advance the spiritual battle. As we've already placed an emphasis so far this year that we're praying, not just small prayers, but big prayers. What do I mean by big prayers? We're praying for big prayers like for people to come to know Christ as their Savior. Those are big prayers. Why are they big? Because they're impossible. Not a single one of us can save another person. We can't do it. That's God's job. God has to do that. Many of us have figured out probably the hard way that none of us can change a person. It doesn't matter how much you stare at them or how much you twist their arm, how much you take the Bible and beat them over the head. It doesn't work that way. Only God can change someone's life. Only God can restore someone who's gone far away and bring them back. Only God can do that. That We can't do it. Our intellect, our great oratory abilities, our words, even our Facebook post doesn't change someone's mind. So how is it that these big things can happen? Well, we've already mentioned it's by prayer. But in here, it's talking about the spiritual warfare and talking about the armor of God. And may I just make an observation that we do not win the battle just because we put on the armor of God. That Satan doesn't run away because you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Just because we put on each piece of armor doesn't automatically change someone's life. The armor of God is to help us to stand in that evil day. It is all defensive. You're not going to take a helmet of salvation and go fight someone with a sword with it. Alright, so you're not going to take the helmet off and start bashing them. You're not going to take your boots or your feet that are shod with the gospel of, of peace and take a boot and start just going to war with it. They're not made to be offensive weapons. They're made to be defensive weapons. They're for our protection. They don't win the battle. They just help us from losing. Does that make sense? They're very important. You need to put on the armor of God. And by the way, if you do not put the armor of God on, you're not going to advance forward because you're vulnerable. For example, we imagine someone in a suit of armor. And someone else with a suit of armor. But they didn't put any shoes on. They're bare feet. You know where the first place I'm going to do? I'm going to step on their toes. 
I mean, why? Because they're vulnerable there. If somebody comes out with uh, a suit of armor and they got their legs covered and they got the gauntlets and they got the helmet, but they don't have anything on their chest, guess what? You know where they're vulnerable at? You see, that's how they lose the battle. But we're not talking about keeping from losing the battle. We're asking, how do we advance forward in the fight? And we advance forward. We see the battles won by prayer. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to take the book of Ephesians chapter number six. And I'd like to show you three things here about advancing the battle in prayer. Advancing the fight with prayer. The very first thing I'd like to show you is in warring. We advance the battle in prayer by in warring. Notice with me in chapter uh, six and verse number 18. It starts off praying always with all prayer and supplication. That word prayer, we have the word praying, but then the word prayer, that word prayer there literally carries the idea of a prayer to God in taking cognitive uh, be, uh, it's making prayer to God being cognizant of the fact of God's power and sufficiency. So it's a type of prayer here where you're getting a hold of God and recognizing that only God can do this. But God can do this. He has the power and that God is enough. I don't need God plus something else. God is enough. God is enough to change someone's life. God is enough to change someone's mind. Remember, this is talking about advancing the fight in prayer. A lot of times people are already defeated that we say there's no way they could change them. No way, nothing could ever change them, so I'm not even going to bother to pray. You're not recognizing that God's sufficient. You're not recognizing God's power. God has the power. He is enough to do this. So with this, there's some teaching that goes on. If we're going to advance the uh, fight in prayer, if we're going to war in prayer, if we're going to see battles won in prayer, we have to recognize that prayer happens in three places. Prayer happens in three realms, may I say. The first realm of prayer in this type of prayer that's going to advance the fight. Now we know that there's little cute prayers and there's prayers that we're not paying attention and there's prayers where, where things aren't happening. But we're talking about prayer that's advancing in the fight. Prayer that's seeing lives change. Prayer that is watching people have their whole lives turned around. Big prayers that we need to win the spiritual battle. So these type of prayers that we're recognizing God has power and his sufficiency occurs in three realms. The first realm is the hidden place. The hidden place. In the gospel record of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Jesus says this. He says that we're supposed to go into our closet and pray. This hidden prayer. Now, Jesus is not saying that if you want to see your prayers answered, you need to get to the uh, nearest closet, walk inside, move all of the hangers there, close the door, and then magically you're going to get your prayers answered. This is actually figurative language that is speaking about you're getting somewhere where there's no distractions. You're getting to a place where your phone isn't going to bother you, where Facebook isn't going to call you, where your um, imagination isn't going to run wild. It's a place that you get to, to um, 
be alone with God. And by the way, this is the very first place where we fail. Oftentimes, we give God our leftovers. What do I mean by that? Is that we try to take our time to pray when we're doing something else. So I'm washing dishes and I'm talking to God. But you know what happens? I could be easily distracted. Oh, you know, I figured that I'd play solitaire and talk to God and get it, you know, use this time wisely. Well, then it doesn't take long till I'm distracted. Oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through Facebook and I'm just going to pray. Well, it doesn't take long till you're distracted. Well, I'm just going to drive down the road and I'm going to pray. Well, it was not long before your mind wanders to something else or you need to concentrate on driving. That's usually very important. So we understand that most of the time when we try to fill in the gaps of praying, we're usually doing it when we're trying to multitask. And what is happening is that God does not get our full attention. And he's worthy of our full attention. If we're going to see the battle won by prayer, it's going to start by the hidden place of getting to the place where there's no distractions, shutting out the distractions, shutting out the places, this closet prayer of getting alone with just you and God and no distractions. The problem that we have with this is that takes time. And we're busy people. You know, with all of our time-saving devices, you know what happens? We fill it in with more things to do. And we're busier now than we've ever been before. And because of that, we cannot carve out the time to spend with God alone. And then we grow frustrated at why aren't things happening. It's because we, God hasn't got our full attention. How can he take serious a prayer that's half-heartedly given when we're doing something else? When we're not serious enough to get with him face-to-face in his presence and just get alone with him and say, God, I need you to work. You see, that's a difference of type of prayer. To get into your closet, to get away where there's no distractions and just spend time with him You and him alone. And so if we're going to advance the fight by prayer, we're going to see things happen. We're going to see lives changed. We recognize it doesn't come from us. It comes from God. But it starts with us getting alone with him with no distractions in the hidden place. The second realm that we advance the fight in prayer in is not only the hidden place, but we also understand the heavenly place. The heavenly place. Again, this is the battlefield right here. When you go to God in prayer, you know what's happening? You are actually being transported into the throne room of grace. You are going into God's throne room. And God has given you the privilege because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. To go ask him and talk to him about anything. But we have to be reminded. We are talking to God. Can you imagine someone going up to the president of the United States. And they've been waiting in time to go talk to the president. The president is giving them personal attention. It's not just a meet and greet. But he is going to talk to you 
personally. And when you get up and begin to talk to the president, you're checking your Facebook. And yeah, we'll be with you in a second. That's not proper, right? If you're going to go meet a king or a queen, and finally, they're going to give you personal attention, you don't want to be on the phone and say, yeah, I'll be with you in just a moment. You know what's happening? You're going to go meet with God. The ruler of the universe. The creator of the universe. The living savior. And you need to give him your full attention. Because he is allowing you into his throne room of grace. To speak to him. And again this is where the battling is gone. Because now we have to battle the distractions. Things that will keep us from spending time with him. By the way, that's the most important part of prayer is to be with him. Is to be with him. That's the whole purpose of prayer. For example, in an earthly realm, parents do not like it when the kids are supposed to be spending time with the parents, but they're spending the whole time on the phone, right? You're on a trip, driving down the road, trying to talk with them, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not spending time with a person. There's so many jokes and cartoons now of a whole family that's at a kitchen table. Supposed to be eating together as a meal, but they're all checking things. And even worse, they're texting each other instead of talking to each other. And they're right there. And we laugh about it, but we know that's true now. That people can't even speak to each other. And yet we try to approach a holy God and go to his throne room. And we're distracted. It may not be the phone. It may be your own mind. You're having a hard time concentrating on prayer. Because you're thinking about something else. Your favorite TV show. What are you going to eat? Why do I have to do this? What my laundry list for later on? And God does not have your attention. But the whole purpose of prayer is for us to spend time with him. Again, I don't know how things are in your house. Or what you've seen. But it's pretty hard for a parent to get really excited about answering a child's request when they're like, yeah, mom, I need you to go buy this thing for school. Thank you. And don't even have the decency to kind of face-to-face contact. God is giving us the privilege of spending time with them. Now, at the same time, we have the privilege of going to God in prayer. And you know what we end up spending time talking to him about? Material things. Rather than spiritual things. You know there's a difference between asking material and spiritual. A material is food. Right? That's something you taste, touch. But you know Jesus said, don't think about food and raiment. That's what the heathen think about. God says, I've already got those things covered. God has given us the privilege of asking for spiritual things. What do we mean by spiritual things? Or asking for someone to get saved. That is a spiritual work. What do we mean by someone getting saved by the way? Let's clarify our terms. We recognize that because of our sin. What's a sin? Anything that we've done wrong against God. Telling a lie. Disobeying our folks. That because of our sin. We owe God a price. We owe God the debt of hell. And because of that. We (laughs) deserve to be separated from God. But Jesus died for us and he paid the price for us. 
And that no one has to go to that awful place. The only thing they have to do is accept the terms. Be willing to accept Jesus to forgive them of their sins. That is a spiritual work for someone to get saved. And so often we spend time asking for bills to get paid. And by the way, we should ask for those things. But I'm saying that we end up spending a majority of our time asking for material things. And not asking for spiritual things. Not asking for what God and God alone can do. For God to change someone's life. For God to turn them around. For you to be led to where you're supposed to go. The idea of things that God can do. And again, we're going to his throne room of grace. So, some practicalities. What can you do? (laughs) Don't raise your hand. But how many of you realize... When you take that time, you finally say, all right, I'm going to get alone with God. And I'm going to spend time with Him. God, I need you to... Right? You don't have to raise your hand, but many of you might recognize that. Or, God, I really need you to do something. I wonder what I'm having for dinner. Let me go check. Right? That's realistic. You say, how do I fix that? Preacher, every time I pray, I go to sleep. That's how I go to sleep at night. How do I fix that? Well, you know, there's practical things you could do. For example, talk out loud. Just talk out loud. You understand that God is a real being, and you could talk to him just like you would talk to your friend. Might as well talk to him out loud. He hears you whether you're praying in your mind or out loud. At least when you pray out loud, you can have a conversation and hear yourself. But that's something simple that you could do is just talk to God out loud. Something you could do is use more of God's word. Quote scripture. Now you don't have to give the reference. You don't have to say, God, you said in John 3, 16, God knows where it's at in the Bible. You don't have to tell him. But maybe you actually want to actually pray the words of Scripture. There are many prayers in there that you could make your own. Just use the Scripture. Call upon a promise. God, this is the promise you said. And tell Him what the promise is. Meaning you're having purpose. You're talking to Him. Maybe it's just something simple as the source of distraction. I know there was someone who said, I have a hard time praying. Well, what's causing the distraction? It is so close to my computer that I just got to go check and see what Facebook is. I hear the little ding and I want to go see what it is. Well, then don't pray there. Eliminate the distraction. If you get to the place where you start to get hungry after a couple minutes, well, then get away from the kitchen. I mean, going back to the closet prayer thing, do practical things so that way you are purposefully planning I am going to the throne room of grace to spend time with God, to spend time with Him. And this is important time. God doesn't deserve me to be distracted because he's giving his full attention to me. And that's exactly what God does when you go to his throne room of grace. So when we're advancing the fight in prayer, we're doing it by warring. And it takes time and work to pray. And we know that it's in three realms. The first realm is in the hidden place. The second realm is in the heavenly place. The third realm is in the holy place. The holy place. Notice if you don't mind in verse 18 again. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Notice this, 
in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Here we recognize that prayer is a spiritual exercise which we engage. Why do we need to pray in the Spirit? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Does this mean that we go into a trance and start just humming? When we're praying in the Spirit, it means that God is directing our thoughts. We die to ourself. One thing that you'll realize right away is that you don't know how to pray as you ought. The Bible says that in the book of Romans chapter 8. What do we mean by that? It means you don't have enough information. You don't know what God is doing in the world. God may allow sickness to come upon someone for a reason. You don't know the reason. You don't have that information. You may not know what someone is going through. You don't, may not know the internal struggles that's going through. You don't have enough information. However, you can say, God, I don't know how to pray. Would you show me how to pray? And God will. That's the idea of praying in the Spirit. That God can even direct your prayers. He could direct your thoughts. He gives us the assurances that our prayers are going to be heard in the first place. We need to pray in the Spirit. Dying to self. Surrendering ourselves. Saying, God, you tell me what to say. Now, when you pray in the Spirit, sometimes that just means to be quiet. Have you ever noticed the conversation that you have at God? How much of it is you speaking and how much of it that God is speaking? Most of the time we're giving God our laundry list and then say, all right, get it done before I get home. Thanks. So many times we spend time talking at God that we don't spend time talking with God. That we're not spending time allowing him to speak. Maybe I could give you an example. In the old days, before a peasant would go talk to the king, of course, first of all, they have to have themselves clean. If they've been spending all the time in the field, they don't want to go approach the king in the field. They need to wash off the muck. Then what would happen is that they would approach the throne room of grace but they would have guards outside the door that you could imagine they would have their, their staffs and they would have it closed. And they would not allow the person to come in until the king beckoned them. They could not barge in. Now they had permission to enter, but they had to wait till the king gave them permission. So sometimes that is required in prayer that we like to bully ourselves into the throne room of grace. But sometimes it just takes some time that God... I'll wait for you. I'm ready to pray, but whenever you're ready to receive me. And there's a time of preparing our own hearts. The Bible talks about in Psalm 100 that we're supposed to enter into his presence with singing. You know, that's actual commandment. We're supposed to make our heart merry. We're supposed to be praising God. And what would happen eventually is that they would open the door and allow you to come in. And when someone approached the king, they just didn't walk in and say, hey, what's up? What they would do is they would show honor and respect to the king. And they would go in and say, oh, great king, the mighty king. And they would talk about how great the king was until the king was ready to receive them. And then the king would give a time to allow them to tell them the request. And when they give the request, they didn't just turn on their back on the king and turn their back and say, all right, see you later. Tell me how it turns out. But what would happen after they give the request is that they would... Wait for the king to tell them what the king was going to do. It may be the king said, all right, I need you to do this. 
It may be something simple. The king said, all right, I'll have this handled. But they would not move until the king gave them an answer, gave a response. It would be considered very disrespectful just to leave the throne room without allowing the king to answer. And then when the king was done, again, they would never turn their back on the king, but they would actually bow respectfully and talk about how great the king was and thank the king for giving that chance as they would exit out of the throne room of grace. We know that same principle can still be applied to approach prayer by talking to God and telling him how great he is, praising his name, spending time with him, and then Give that request and then be quiet and allow God a chance to speak back. You said, well, am I expecting a voice in the sky? No. Am I expecting a voice in your head? No. But there is an idea that God can direct your prayers. May I give an example? In the book of Psalms is often... Uh, actual prayers that were given. Sometimes you would have someone that would be frustrated. Like King David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You ever feel like God's forsaken you? Well, David did. And he prays and begins to talk to God. And as he begins to talk to God, God changes his prayer until at the very end, David is saying, God, you're still good. You're great. Thank you. I, you, you got things handled. What happened? God directed his prayer. As he began to speak out loud, God changed his thinking, gave him words, and moved things. Sometimes there's an idea that we're waiting for God, and we just shut up. And God wants to see if we're going to be still and know that he is God. Then sometimes he'll give a thought in your head. This is why praying out loud is sometimes very effective. That when God gives you a thought, then you begin to speak that thought. Until you're done, and then be quiet again. And then God may give you another thought. And you talk that thought out. It's just something wonderful that as you start talking to God about it, that God begins to direct it as you're giving it to Him. That's what we mean by allowing God to direct you. Again, you're not going to hear voices. The light is not going to come from the ceiling. You're not going to hear an angelic choir go, ah. But it is an idea that you are talking to a real person. Who the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, lives inside of you. And he can direct your thoughts as you commit your way to him. God is able to work in such ways and direct you. And there's many times that as you're talking to God, that God will give you what he wants you to do as you're talking. And you say, yes, sir, I recognize what you want me to do. Thank you. That's one of the things. We're talking with him. And this is where the battleground is going to be fought. Sometimes we look and we say, where is our power? You know, it's amazing to see people that were on drugs that are now good fathers. Ladies who were in a illicit affairs are now good mothers. People who were in the midst of crimes are now good citizens. God can change lives. He can give so much grace. And we look and say, why isn't that happening? Why doesn't things like happen to here? Let me tell you, someone will say, where is the power? And I'll say, where is your prayer? Where is the power? Where is your prayer? Prayer is the thing that run, is the gas that runs the machine. Little prayer, little power. 
Medium prayer, medium power. Much prayer, much power. The power is of God. It is Him. It is our dependence on Him. It is us opening our mouth. But God can hear and answer prayer. We have not because we ask not. And a haunting statement that is a true statement. All failures are prayer failures. All failures. The more that you study that thought and meditate that thought, the more it becomes true and the more haunting that statement truly is. All failures are prayer failures. That we fail to advance the fight in prayer. As we continue on, we can see that we're advancing the the fight in prayer by warring, but we also see that we're advancing the fight in prayer by watching. By watching. Notice with me in chapter uh, 6 and verse 18 once again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Notice that word watching. That word watching carries the idea to fast from sleep. To fast from sleep. Sometimes someone would say, I'm too busy to pray. Well, then maybe you need a fast from sleep. Find that prayer is so important. It is more important than you realize. And if you realize that, hey, I'm just too busy to pray, then you have to find some time to pray sometime. And maybe it requires fast from sleep. To uh, skip some sleep to get a hold of God to have that time. We know that spiritual warfare is a serious business. And there may be some times that God gives you a sleepless night because he's trying to get you to pray. He's trying to give you that time to talk to him and to be with him and advance the fight to spend time with him. You know, sometimes we wonder, how come people haven't uh, changed? Well, are they worth spending one night in prayer? Well, no, then we wonder why things don't happen. We're not serious about it. One of the problems is that we don't believe prayer works. If we believe prayer works, we'd pray more. And we wonder why things don't happen. It's because we don't pray. We don't take the time to pray. And sometimes we don't even, we just give up and say, well, let them go their own way. And because we're too lazy to spend time praying. Even lose a good night's sleep. We'd rather have that good night's sleep than see some life changed. And that's our fault. It's our fault. We look at our nation. All failures are prayer failures. Based off of your prayer life for our nation in the last week, what kind of shape is our country in? Is your nation worth losing a night of sleep and praying for our nation for revival for God to do something? No? Well then, here's the results. Do you believe that God can change our nation? I do. Do you believe it enough to pray? Well, see, this is where the rubber hits the road. And we wonder why battles aren't won. We wonder why things aren't happening. Because all failures... Our prayer failures. And we're not willing to watch in prayer. Not willing to fast from sleep. In order to get a hold of God. And watch him work. 
As we advance the fight in prayer, we understand that it's in warring. We advance the fight in prayer in watching, but we also advance the fight in prayer in witnessing. Advance the fight in prayer in witnessing. Notice with me in verse 19. And for me, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice that word boldly used twice in verse 19 and verse 20. Let me give you the context. Remember where Paul is right now? He is in prison. Why is he in prison? Because he's in prison because he preached the gospel. He's been in prison for quite a while. He was in prison at Jerusalem. Then he was in prison at Caesarea. Now he's been a prisoner in Rome because he preached the gospel. Now, Paul was just as much in in flesh as you and I was. If you got arrested because you were telling people about the gospel... Do you think that you would have to have people pray for you so you would continue to have the boldness to witness? How about the time that you passed out a track and someone stared at you funny and, well, don't you need prayer for boldness to go do that again? I remember Serena, uh, maybe four or five years old, we were in uh, Arizona and We were witnessing to people near the college campus. And someone had the audacity, the gall, that Serena offered them a track. They looked her in the eye, took the track, tore it up, and put it at her feet. You think that's a discouragement? I mean, for a little child, too. But you understand, through all of our disappointments, through the things that happen, you know what Paul said? Pray for me that I still have the utterance. Pray for me that I have the boldness to still witness. You wonder why sometimes we're not bolding witnessing? Because we're not praying. Good example is in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 4, the apostles were arrested. And they were ordered, don't you preach the gospel again. And they got out of prison and they got together and they were scared. And they said, God, they began to pray together and said, God, we're scared. They they threatened us. Would you please help us that we would have boldness? And you know what happened? God filled them with boldness and the word of God went out. In Acts chapter 5, they're arrested again. And the Jewish officials are like, what are you doing? We let you loose. We told you not to witness. And they said, how could we? God gave us power and we had to do what we were told. And they were filled with boldness, it says. Where did that boldness come from? From them praying. When's the last time you prayed for your pastor? Paul's asking, pray for me. When's the last time you prayed for your pastor that he would be bold in his witnessing? When's the last time you prayed for yourself for boldness in witnessing? And we wonder why people aren't getting saved. Because often we're too cowardly. By the way, that's our natural state. By the way, why don't we like to pass out tracts to people? Why do we have a hard time confronting people with the gospel? It's not because we're afraid they're going to reject God. We're afraid they're going to reject us. It's a personal prideful thing. How do you get over it? Boldness. How do you get the boldness? Prayer. 
If we're going to see spiritual battles won, if we're going to see people saved, they have to be presented with the gospel. How are they going to be presented by the gospel? Someone has the boldness enough to pass them out of track, to ask them, are they 100% sure if they die today to go to heaven? Where do they get the boldness? By prayer. Again, how are we going to see more people come to know Christ as their Savior through this church this year? Through prayer. How are we going to see more people follow the Lord in baptism? By prayer. How are we going to see more people get discipled? By prayer. How are we going to see more people reached? By prayer. And without that prayer, nothing. All failures are prayer failures. We are in a spiritual warfare. And as we discussed earlier tonight, it's not getting better. It is getting worse. What do we do about this? Set up pickets and go protest? Nope. How do we win the battle? By prayer. It's not by putting on the spiritual armor, though that's necessary. It's by prayer. Because we have a God who can hear and answer prayer. As you go through spiritual warfare, I'm not naive enough to think that you go home and there's birds singing cartoons, birds and nice beautiful sunshine. Most of you go home to battle zones. Or you deal with family. Christmas and Thanksgiving getting together with family is putting on its own war zone. Dealing with neighbors, its own war zone. Then... After all of that, you got to go to work. And that's a war zone. You're in the middle of a war. How are you going to advance the fight? Most Christians would rather hold up and just tuck and just try to survive. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to advance in the fight by prayer. That's how it's going to be done. We were given prayer requests earlier. How are those things going to happen? How are those victories going to occur? By prayer. By prayer. How are lives going to be changed? Not by our good speeches. Not by our Facebook post. By prayer. By prayer. How are you going to make a difference at where you work at? By prayer. Advancing the fight in prayer. It's all about our dependence on God. And prayer is showing our dependence on God by acknowledging, I need Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.